Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, we're continuing on this conversation with Kevin Holler just because there's so much to his story. It's really interesting um, and I hope you guys got a lot out of last week as well. Where we left him last week, he had gone through this whole journey with Shake, uh, with his grad recruitment company and he'd closed it down, come back to Ireland, he'd written a really honest uh, account and published it on Medium about uh, what it was like to fail at a startup, which again, nobody ever talks about. And uh, then he, he put that article out, he went to bed, woke up uh, a couple of days later and he saw about 15 job offers come in the door over time. People responded to, what do you think? Your honesty about the whole thing? The real experience you had in the trenches? Yeah, I think it was the honesty. Like I got, you know, I was getting emails from other founders who were saying, I'm, I'm so happy you said this. Like I've never, I, I thought I was the only person maybe going through this. Um, Get, you know, getting messages on Twitter and I ended up doing, doing a f couple of kind of radio interviews and stuff after talking about it as well. Um, even went on to speak at an event called Startup Week. Right. Um, where, you know, we, we, we toasted with a glass of whiskey to kind of commemorate the fallen startups on stage huh. with like 800 people in the room, um, which was a quite uh, a really funny. cool event. Uh, but, you know, it was, everything was positive. There, was, there wasn't a single negative thing out of it. Um, and I think that that's something that's that's just stuck with me so much to the point where I think I'm always trying to push for for the honesty and, and the real account. And even in my job today, when I talk with my manager, I'm like, I, I feel I'm doing really bad at this, uh, or you know, this is where I'd like to improve. Where whereas years ago, I think God, you know, showing that vulnerability is a really bad thing. Yeah. But, uh, showing vulnerability actually like um, can help you grow as a person um but it also shows other people that you're honest with yourself yeah and that's how you get respect that's how you're going to get help that's how you're going to grow it's going to how you're going to be successful and it's how when you highlight your weaknesses it's how people know where they can jump in and help you and make you an overall uh, stronger proposition so say me going out of there as a founder technically way behind if i'm honest about that a technically strong person will say hey i can help you there and and so on so yeah, but I think it's it's a common saying: the ultimate strength is to be aware of and to show your weakness. Yeah, uh, it really is. So you did that. You take on all these offers. Now, one thing people always wonder: I go start up a business. If it works, great. I'm rich and I'm covered. If it fails, what do I do then? Am I unemployable? Because entrepreneur and unemployable are often used in the same sentence. So, <laughs> did you meet that uh, kind of conundrum? Did you wonder wh who would hire me and why and where? I, I was stuck at a crossroads like I genuinely didn't know what to do I think you know I was I was trying to sit there and, and, and kind of not write a CV but I was trying to like assess myself to say like what are my competencies here moving forward and I was thinking right I've, I've, I've worked put my sales hat on trying to work with customers sell deals you know get customers in the door put together a marketing strategy uh, lead the product uh, write code work on finances, be an accountant doing VAT returns at half 12 yeah. at night. I'm good at stress like, and chaos. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All, all these things and you're kind of like, right, you know, how, how do you take that and go to an employer and be like, right, you know, I'm applying for a job where it's, it's one of those things because, yeah. I, because I wasn't a salesperson for two years or I wasn't an accountant for two years. You know, I was all of these things. Yeah. Um, and it makes you a bit of a generalist. Um, and it was kind of scary because I was like, right, I'm, I'm too far removed uh, from code as well to go back to my software engineering career. Mm. Um, I'm, you know, I'm too far removed from other parts where I feel I lack experience to actually think, 
you know marketing or something like that might be interesting so uh, it took me a while to like explore what was out there and what I ended up stumbling across was a head of product position which is effectively product management yeah um and and that like intrigued me straight away because product management is like at the intersection of all parts of the company yeah so a product manager as a product manager you're working with your sales team with the marketing team uh, with the developers, with the project managers, with everyone. Like so, the, the over like to delve a bit deeper there, guys. You would do with the sales team. You'd say, okay, guys, what product, what feature do the customers want? What feature is going to get us the most money? When do we need to have it built by? Then you go over to the engineering team and say, okay, guys, this is what the sales team need because this is where the money is. How are we going to build this? How long is it going to take? What code are you going to use? How is it going to fit in with what we currently have? And you go over to the marketing team and say, okay, it's going to take six months. Uh, the developer guys say it's going to take six months. This is how they're going to do it. How are we going to tell the public about this? Then you go over to the finance team and you say, okay, they say it's going to take that much marketing. Uh, the sales are going to bring in this much revenue and the engineers are going to take this long to do it. Uh, do we have the budget to put in this feature? And then you go over to the CEO and you say, okay, this is the direction <laughs> we're going. Re- they are at the very middle of the whole company. Uh, yeah, I think you summed it up very nicely there. <laughs> Um, and I, I think that's that's where I was like, great, like, this this means I can take everything I've learned from my startup experience and put it into this job. Um, and that's what I did. I joined a, a, a non-profit called ChangeX um, as, as head of product there. Uh, and that was, you know, it was an interesting decision as well, because all those companies I was looking at, um, big companies, kind of the more fast paced companies, I felt I wasn't ready for that new relic level of, of pace again straight away. Right. Um, I mean, God, this uh, this startup experience really knocked the wind out of you. It certainly did. Can I actually ask about confidence as well? Can I ask about two things? Confidence and identity. And I'll just... People go off and they start a company, and I've done this, and it affects your identity because you say, I'm now a founder, I'm now a business person, I'm independent, all that sort of stuff. I'm going to make this big thing happen. And it, that becomes your self-identity and your identity maybe to others as well. Then it gets rocked when it fails, which both of us have been through. Then you kind of go off and say, God, I'm a failure, and that's your identity, and then you rebuild from there. So where were your confidence and identity levels at the time when you're kind of getting into uh, these companies? Obviously, ChangeX maybe built that up a bit more and gave you momentum. I Identity, I think, was the thing I struggled with most. Really? That's fascinating to hear. Because... I, you know, I, I was... I, we, got, we got so much press. Like, I don't know, like, compared to other startups in Dublin, I think we we sold a really good story as well and, and people liked hearing about what we were doing and it's why sexy. we were Grab doing group. it's um, sexy it's cool and it, it you know we i was on rte we we're on live television we were doing radio interviews we we're in the irish times and the sunday business but you know all of this and I, I i was put in the limelight here of like founder and ceo of, of shake yeah meanwhile behind it i'm still eating my tin of tuna <laughs> um like i remember i remember one day i i was i was in rte and i did the live interview on, on television i went back out to the road to get a bus into town and i didn't have enough change to get back into town i remember asking the bus driver if he'd let me off and he said look just get on and it, it was it was just it was like it was like a split personality yeah. you know um and i think that's what i what i struggled with was when i you know shut down the company in my head i'd i'd you you know you a normal person plans their life out you, you see your life going a certain way and i had this, this vision of where I would go and I would be the CEO of this company and I was going to try and build something successful and, um, uh, you know, 
do all these things I'd, I'd, I'd envisioned for myself. And now all of a sudden I've been stripped of those titles and uh, I was at home and I had no job. And, uh, you know, I, everything I'd done in the press, I was no longer that person. Um, I was back to Kevin yeah. at home living with his family and uh, he's now looking for a job, you know. Um, so that that was one of the things I really struggled with. I was just like, I, I almost like I was reluctant to meet people for ages because I, I felt why would they want to meet up with me now yeah yeah um the worst is when they ask about how's the company doing and they're like eh, kind of tanked yeah. i had someone ask me that two years after it tanked really? they actually asked me if i wanted to invest in their company because they thought we were doing really well oh my god yeah it's a strange thing what it does to the identity for sure and everybody that's why i found it so fascinating when you said it everybody no matter what they're doing has an identity crisis in their 20s it's part of the course. It's par for the course. Because uh, you're growing up, you're moving from, uh, what's it called, well, young adult to full uh, autonomous adult or whatever whatever it is about it. You're growing emotionally. A uh, big thing, actually, which I want to ask you about is the goalposts change always throughout your 20s from being cool to being self-sufficient to being either successful or just happy or uh, from being individual and uh, single to maybe wanting a partner and wanting that um form of intimacy in your life there's there's so like from being uh, an excellent athlete to just being healthy and fit and having good internal organs rather than a really muscular body like the goalposts keep changing how did your goalposts evolve actually over your 20s i I mean they certainly changed a lot like back when i started the whole startup thing i was ambitious uh, i told myself i wanted to i remember thinking i I want to earn a million before i'm 25 right like these these crazy goals that were I don't know what, like where I came up with them. Like I, I laugh thinking about them now, but I just, I was so driven. I wanted to be really good at what I did and be successful and, and make those goals. But <clears throat> the goalposts certainly changed then afterwards when, when I was thinking about joining ChangeX and I was sitting there going, I want to just join a company that are actually doing something good in the world. You know, it's, mm. it's, uh, I, I became, I was almost repulsed by the kind of capitalist nature of, a lot of it and the right, kind of okay. the, the, the chase the rat race of ipos and joining and promotions and cash and all this and i was like I'm really not what i want right now i just want to be part of uh, a good team good people um with a company that's doing something positive in the world yeah um, and that that was my motivation then was just kind of build that as you said build up the confidence again get back on my feet and um you know rebuild my identity as as who i wanted to become after that yeah funny how uh how those goalposts change and, and how the whole thing kind of evolves so uh change x and then a, a company like new relic would have been kind of too fast paced for you so you went down it was a, the consultant route kind of straight away yeah it was it was um i i decided i actually decided to move to munich <laughs> right i was i was sitting in the office one day and i was like i part of me didn't it something didn't feel right because i was back in dublin I was back where I was before I decided I wanted to move to San Francisco and, yeah. and had envisioned this new life for myself. And I, I felt I was back back where I knew I didn't want to be back then. Mm. Um, funny how that happens. You build a relationship with the place. Yeah. Uh, so it was a funny one. I, and I, I, I'd kind of thought about moving to Munich because um, I'd had some family there and I'd visited a few times before. Um, and, and being German as well, I wanted to kind of explore more the german side of my life and and put my german to use professionally and right okay whatever else so 
I literally, I think from, I think it was in like a February, March, I made a decision to move. And within less than two months, I landed in Munich. I had like quit the, quit my job again, right. uh, packed everything up, got rid of my apartment, uh, landed in Munich. Um, all my stuff landed on a pallet on the side of a street, actually. What? Yeah, I, I thought they were going to like help me bring it up, but I just like got a ring in the doorbell and they were like, here's a pallet with uh, all your stuff. From um, the airline? From um, sorry, from from the company that helped me move ah, my right, boxes okay. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, there I was, landed in Munich, no job again, and uh, <laughs> uh, single, like kind of on your own in the world. Single yeah, yeah. on my on my own. Um, decided I was just going to see if I could live with my aunt there for a while and right. uh, try figure out what the next step was going to be. Yeah. In, and again, a, a still a generalist, very much still kind of at the epicenter of. You could go into strategy, product, tech, whatever. Yeah. Still, still struggling a bit with what I wanted to do and and where and with who. Professional identity. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that was again kind of reinforced when I started interviewing with companies in Munich. Um, a lot of again, a lot of really interesting jobs. But when I kind of came to the offer stage, I kind of sat there going, I I just don't feel like I'm ready to commit to this. Yeah. Because I also had this ridiculous notion in the back of my head that maybe I'll start another company <laughs> right and the itch uh, was still there the itch was still there and I just said maybe I will and what, what what's if I join a company now I don't want to let them down and quit as quickly as I did New Relic right um so I kind of took my lesson here and I said let's just hold off for now um consulting might be the best route um and that's that's what I did you're right okay um so it was a yeah it was an, an interesting Interesting step, a friend, a good friend of mine, James Welton, who um, was one of the founders of Coder Dojo. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, rang me up one day and said, Kevin, look, I'm, I've moved to Dubai and I'm setting up a tech team out here. We're working on some interesting projects. How would you like to work remotely with us here and travel out every once in a while? Um, I just said, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Uh, for me, it was kind of the perfect setup. I got to work remotely from home. I was kind of doing a bit of development work again. Um, I started getting into the data analytics space. Yeah. Which, as it turns out today, is you know was a was a key. Yeah, uh, well, that is the hot step. space now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's funny. So kind of network brought you through these things, and consultant looked like a comfortable position between being a full time employee, which you're not, uh, but being re like so having the independence of not being a full time employee, not being fully tied to one company, but you know being involved and getting well paid and all that sort of stuff and having some sort of semblance of a normality or professional normality yeah. go to work every day that sort of thing and it, it brought me like this this new level of freedom i'd found because I, I i was kind of reluctant to go back into this 40-hour work week and the, just the nine to five routine i just didn't really want to do that so uh with the company i started out just consulting three days a week which meant i'd work from like tuesday to thursday do three days of solid work and development and consulting whatever else uh, and it meant I had a four-day weekend for, yeah, nice. for a okay. while. And, and I just started exploring Munich, going out, meeting friends, cycling around, and, and um, yeah, just getting to getting to stop prioritizing career and focusing more on living. life. And yeah, living. And, just, and, and, yeah just, just get get back life. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's brilliant. And doing it in Munich, like a new city, uh, more free time, no pressures of having your own company again, which is a huge weight off the shoulders. Uh, money coming in from the consulting on your own terms uh, life is good 
And well, I'm trying to remember. Like, so I know, I know the story, but I don't know the order. What was the next thing to come along? Um, yeah. So, I I was I was sitting there, um, at home one day when I got an email, um, from a few guys in in Dublin who had a similar graduate recruitment idea as uh, I had. Um, so, I I entertained the the call and I said I maybe I can advise them on one thing or the other and you know six months of conversations went on where i basically said don't do it like it's it's a really tough business don't do to build. it to yourself <laughs> uh, don't do it to yourself um but all of a sudden i kind of got roped into it with these conversations that went on and they they made an offer for me to join the business as a co-founder um and i kind of agreed under the only way i would do this again was if i had a proper team to do it so i wasn't in the trenches on my own mm. Um, and that I wasn't going to risk anything financially. Okay. So I said, great, I can bring the technology from, from my last company um, if, if you guys are willing to put the money in. Um, and that's kind of how each person kind of was bringing the value to it. Yeah, okay. Um, that's what made it appealing. That's interesting. We won't, uh, we only won't say the name of the company, actually. We'll just say, uh, we'll just say B Corp. And... Um, <laughs> So that was how you came into B Corp. You had a good balance of they had money and team, you had tech. And then uh, I got I met a person and was kind of starting out on my grad life adventure and journey. And uh, she said, go talk to this guy. And then this guy said, go talk to Kevin Holler. And that's how we met and did a call. And you were part of the B Corp. And then I met the other B Corp guys and um i ended up joining them as well with my kind of uh ip on what my plan was for the grad life recruiting thing and we all became b corp together uh, i also didn't put money in which was I, I, something i'm obviously very happy i didn't do but it's it's kind of like a school of thought that i subscribe to why put money like i'm i'm against these business models of like the Ubers of the world where it's just like, it's a loss making business. It will, you know, inverted commas one day make an enormous profit and it will all be worth it. But there are too many uh, uncertainties and unknowns in the meantime. I like a small business that makes cash rather than a big business that sells a big promise type of thing. So uh, that logic in, in mind, I didn't put any money in either. And I'd much rather uh, not do that and look to actually have a cash flow, cash positive, uh, flow as, as, as fast as possible that's my philosophy on the whole thing um it ended up being a good decision to not put money in what was the journey like on that what what lessons did you take in apart from you know self-protection financially what lessons did you take into b corp um i think there's a couple of really good lessons in it. i think one was protecting myself from what i'd been through the last time mm. so you know not putting in financial like, like not risking financial uh, actual cash on the table here um doing it with a team where i wasn't going to potentially burn out again or kind of put myself under all the risk and kind of being able to share the burden um but i think what would drove me the most was was i had so many ideas of what i would have done differently yeah with which shake that i really wanted the it to me i was like i've been handed this opportunity on a plate to go and try and execute these things uh, these ideas in a different way this time yeah slightly more <clears throat> empowered exactly um and that was <clears throat> that was kind of the motivator you know it, we, we we got started like we we got to market within two months yeah um 
you know what previously took a year and a half with the other company um lots of lots of different things um that that just really helped us address problems quicker and kind of overcome things that that i had spent a lot of time trying to figure out before yeah okay um but but it was it was difficult i mean i was in munich the rest of the team was in dublin as you know um i think once once it became clear the kind of risk that was involved and the time and dedication involved to start it i think highlighted that it wasn't for everyone on the team yeah um and you know long story short we kind of hit hit that roadblock where it was kind of a you know do or die uh type scenario it was like right if we don't if we're not really willing to to, to give up our jobs and, and make the commitment at this point we're not going to get it beyond where it is now um and and you know that's something i knew from day one and i think it was maybe a new experience for some of the other team yeah um but again you know i think the i definitely went further than i probably would have liked to um mm. i think i was driven very much again by this second chance to to, to try it out but I correct the story doesn't yeah. yeah but i mean you know looking at it like the day i decided i was done with it you know i i, I didn't sell anything i didn't i didn't move out of my apartment you know i was living uh, in in Munich in uh, my apartment um, with my girlfriend um, then who well, still is my girlfriend now yeah um, you know I hadn't I hadn't lost a huge amount you could do a bit of consulting like um, your cash flow was in I could do a bit of consulting again and and you know I wasn't I wasn't in a bad place I hadn't burnt myself out I wasn't yeah. working long hours I I protected myself in a lot of ways yeah um, there's still an emotional investment for sure that you know that doesn't you don't get over that <clears throat> overnight because I was quite emotionally tied to the idea yeah because it was my original vision for for what I wanted to achieve and you know I ha- again had built this new vision for myself of of you know yeah Kevin tried it the first time and and the second time it worked yeah um so I was kind of selling myself on this new story funny um but yeah you know like it didn't work out but I think being able to f- fail faster in that sense fail fast and cheap that time as well i fail fast and and kind of very cheap with that i actually as you know probably a couple of months into being involved with b corp i was like you know what i just don't feel very good about this i'm gonna go and it was a kind of hard decision because i'd had invested so much on my own for nine months of grad life and that model but then i was like but i'm on a good ship with five tran i think i'm just gonna ride that wave and I might give this grad stuff a crack on my own then, which I ended up doing. So, and it's all touch wood worked out pretty well. So I'm kind of a, I don't know. It was a good. I I feel like my decision was good, but again, not easy because you're giving up the whole story you tell yourself about what your life is going to be like, etc. Um, but you do have to protect yourself. Yeah. And on the personnel front, there, as you mentioned, um, some people are suited to the startup life more than others. Some people are suited to the chaos that comes with a startup more than others. Some people do very, very well in large companies. And uh, that is a different sport to doing well in, in a startup. It's, a, it's like expecting David Beckham to be really good at surfing. They're just two different sports. Sure, they're good athletes, different sports, so it's not necessarily going to translate. Yeah, yeah. so um, you kind of went through the similar thing. And then we always kept in touch. We always kind of chatted about how things were going, etc. One day the phone rings and... Um, you kind of tell me that you're out in the market, and I was delighted to refer you into Fivetran and have you part of the yeah uh, the team there. But actually, funny at that time, even you were weighing up, you were back in your old conundrum. Uh, you had too many things going, you had too many uh 
pathways you could go down, whether it was, I think you were talking about being a CEO of a company that was within a different company or being product somewhere else or strategy or alliances. There was a million things going on. There was, yeah, there was a, a lot of things on the table again. And, and also the consulting business, I, I started exploring the idea of like, why don't I build up a consulting business and hire, hire some people and start building up partnerships and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it was very opportunistic timing when you reached out. Uh, I got talking to Five Tran, and again, it's this comes back to like these opportunities in your life. It's it's not always applying for a job you've just seen on a website. Mm. Most of the things that happen in your life and in your career happen by opportunity, like by by chance. Yeah, like there's 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 so much luck I think involved in timing and being in the right place at the right time that you know from the outside it looks like this very linear career path you end up following yeah but as you know well as i do like nobody who's studied one thing has ended up in that exact thing years later yeah um and then five you know as you know like turned out to be a, a really interesting move for me personally and and professionally because uh, i've been living in munich uh five was expanding uh, quite strongly in emia um, perfect timing, like. Uh, perfect timing, and and this this new role, I guess, emerged out of the woodworks then for for me uh, in Munich around partnerships. Um, yeah. Which which again, going back to like the product management thing, was was kind of another area that was quite diverse in roles and responsibilities, where I could again apply all of that learning again from from mm. both the the consulting work and the two startups I'd done. Yeah, and you'll always have that tech. If people are kind of wondering, oh, he invested so much in his technical abilities and now he's doing something different, it will make you so much better at your current job having that technical background, etc. So these skills always interweave to create a very unique product that is a person. Um, couple of things on uh, all of this stuff. Frankly, I, I, I don't even know uh, which one to <laughs> begin with. Just randomly, the coders that you have met, you're not a purist coder. You're kind of somewhere between business and code. Uh, I send people towards, a lot of people down towards coding and, and computer software. The best coders you've met, are they all computer science from Trinity or have they kind of taught themselves and figured it out and uh, gone on jobs and, and learned the hard way type of thing? Um, I think some of the some of the best kind of coders, tech, technical people I know are self-taught. Self-taught, interesting. Um, and so if someone has no academic background, they can dive right into this and become very skilled at it. It's kind of like a sport or an art, I guess. It's it's fascinating. Like there's 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 like boot camps and everything. There's so much at your disposal. Like you could open your laptop today and start learning for free yeah. online. You know, there's there's so many resources out there um, where you can literally within a few months go from never having written a line of code to maybe even getting a web developer job. Uh, off the off the back of a three month kind of boot camp course. That's incredible. Um, and I think, you know, the reason I say the best people I know are self taught is because, uh, it comes it comes from this drive of passion. You know, there's there's, I always saw that quite distinctly in even in my course when college when half the class were were there to do it to get a job, and once they did it to get the job done, that was it. And then the other half were maybe those who would go to a meetup group or on a weekend program on a side project because they were actually interested in learning a new technology. Yeah. Um, and if you look at San Francisco or you look at these startups, like it's, it's that half that go and do the. Yeah, companies. sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because um, they, they don't just have the coding ability, they have the proactivity that led them to go and teach themselves in the first place. So that makes perfect sense. But, you know, having said that, I think computer science is an incredibly valuable thing because it teaches you to actually think like a computer scientist. You know, writing code and being a developer is is only one small part of being a computer scientist. Yeah. Um, you know, you can do that course in, in Trinity or whatever university you do it in. Uh, you're going to learn all kinds of aspects of, of mathematics and, and other areas that can help you, you know, solve problems with programming that you otherwise would never know yeah. how to. It's a pretty amazing lever that, that humanity has. Um, a funny thing. You working in 5chan now, you obviously got in because you're you're really good, but I referred you in, and if you didn't know me, it probably wouldn't have been on the radar. Uh, there was a conversation that happened in June, uh, June 20, uh, 2018, um, between myself and uh, a lady. You had never met either of us, but that conversation changed your path, because if that conversation never happened, you would never have worked at Fivetron, which you'll probably do for the next five, ten years. So that's outrageous that's an incredible thing to think about because she told me to talk to Liam and then Liam told me to talk to you and then we went through this journey together and off we went so that conversation you would never there could be two people out there now that I've never met literally nobody know they exist they could be shaping my future right now they could be having a huge impact on it it's incredible it it's amazing like looking back on the last 10 years of my career like there's there's none of the jobs I've worked in I ever applied for yeah um you know like I I met the intercom guys by chance at a tech meetup, drinking a beer. Uh, I then went on and met um, Eamon Leonard, who brought me into Engineer, the first company after that, because of that meetup as well. Um, you know, New Relic, uh, a sales engineer in San Francisco, was sitting in his office one day looking through LinkedIn when he stumbled across my profile and decided to message me out of the blue. Funny. Um, you know, and then and then five trend and everything else. Yeah. You know, there's there's so much things that have just happened through, through people and coincidence and timing and all these kind of things like unpredictable stuff. I'm actually the same. I've never applied for a job either. It's all through people and and that sort of stuff. And these things just kind of come along if you're if you're lucky. Um, you've been an entrepreneur for ten years, an employee for probably that many months, or you you had patches of employment uh, between. How much does the how big a relief if there's any empl- uh, entrepreneurs out there who are uh, pushing and pushing through and not enjoying it how big a relief is it to take the employment option for a while and just enjoy the the lifestyle of living basically do it you know i think there's there's absolutely nothing to say you need to to be an entrepreneur for life or or push yourself through the misery every now and again like it's it's a it's a roller coaster yeah like i'm i'm back in this phase now again where my goalposts are very different and i'm favoring the stability the security a salary uh, working with a big team, working with a support structure around me, and all the things, and, and you know, we're we're sitting here in this hotel in in, in Dublin yeah. today because of this this company. So, yeah. um, and you can cook on the weekends and not stress. You can get home into your apartment in the evening and not think about how the next day's salary is going to be paid, like that sort of thing. That like, I mean, I've I've had so many sleepless nights and and lost so much time of my life where you know you have to. The, the, these take these these bursts of, of entrepreneurship as I call them like take so much energy and, and the sacrifice and you you put so much on the table to do it like you you need times in between where you recharge where you mm. remind yourself that you have friends around you that you get back to life you ha- you go back to the normality because 
when you're in that you're in this tunnel vision mode where you're you're so far away from that um and you have to remember what's important at the end of the day yeah um yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty amazing actually um before we go a couple of quick fires one key lessons for or key pieces of advice for entrepreneurs out there or for any grads out there um yeah i think i think exploring opportunities that that you might never think of um you know you're obviously in your course i think career services a lot of the times or, or a lot of the traditional uh information you get or, or guidance you get might point you to a very linear career path yeah um i think that's what i'm trying to solve I'm yeah. Obsessed with that problem. yeah uh so I, I think you know like how do you get around that how do you meet people or explore ideas where you might other in other ways be able to to apply your knowledge or your, your experience to that could open doors you never thought of yeah okay um yeah i want to start a company do i do it yes or no yeah yeah give it a crack despite um, all the pain it can drag you through i think that you can be smart about it yeah I okay i think um you know you can you can start small uh, start small don't put money in get a good team you could you could get your job do it as as a side project do it at night do it at the weekends put in those extra hours you know yeah. burn the the candle of both ends for a while and uh try and get something off the ground but you can do it in a way without sacrificing a lot of these these big things yeah i'm all about that yeah and um, before we go quote to live by quote to live by Oh, Any good quotes to keep you going or anything now? Uh, I probably have a few. I can't think of it. I'm definitely putting a few in into the book I'm writing at the moment. Yes, Kev's um, writing a book actually. I'll put I'll post it out when you put it out because I, I personally really look forward to that. Definitely do. Uh, the working title is is Chasing Rainbows, which I think again nice. speaks to the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that I think a lot of people chase with the glamour and and uh, all the good stuff that that comes with it, but. Again, writing about all the the realities and I think the the tougher sides. Yeah, to, the people don't see. Yeah. Well, on be on your behalf, I'm going to give a made up quote. If you're starting a company or you uh, have ambitions to start a company, be nice to yourself because it's a very hard thing to do when you're doing it, given all the identity complexities and expectations and everything. Uh, just be nice to yourself, and it's not the end of the world. It doesn't fail. Kevin Holler, thank you very much for joining. Thank you very much, Mark.